All right, well, you ready? Give us the go. Are you ready? All right. It's up to you. It's Paul Alcohol, Kyrie Wood. Thanks for having me. I prepared a long uh, dissertation, but I forgot it at Mike's house, so I'll just go with... We'll get you back Yes. I think I'll wing it, as usual. Well, well I want to, you know, we got to go back to that same statement by Bill W., the problem resides in the mind. So you can start at least zeroing in in where the source of the dilemma starts. And Bill W. talks about it a lot. We have to get to the exact nature of the wrong and into causes and conditions because if you're drinking and using, you're stuck sort of on a consequential level. You don't, it's sort of like being in that, I used the, old, the term, the hallway of shit and fans, yeah? You never read the sign. You never read the sign, and you suddenly find yourself in a hallway with shit and fans. And somehow, as you enter the hallway, the fans go on, and then the shit aligns with the fans. And then you look and go, what? And then wham. And when we're in that hallway of shit and fans, and we don't know any better, the only thing we can do is try to find out, how can I run this gauntlet? or have like handy wipes or whatever to somehow get the shit off as fast as I can, but I'm always going to get hit with the shit, yeah? And so the thing is, you have to see that the hallway and shit and fans is dormant until you enter, yeah? You're the dilemma, you're the problem, and in a great idea that you're actually the solution to the problem. See, when they say that it's a hopeless, it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, the most important word in that statement to me is seemingly, because it, it defines a, a fact of what's happening here, which is, it's, it seemingly means it's appearing to be true or false to you. Yeah? So something that you may believe has a reality is actually dictated by how you see it. Yeah? Just like you come into AA, a lot of people come into AA and they have a story about the worst thing that ever happened to them. Maybe it happened to them when they was a kid, and they've they've prayed at that altar. They put flowers on it. Their whole story about life is based on that thing, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And yet, if they come into recovery and they spend some time under the influence of AA, in a, maybe a year or two, they'll share that it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Yeah. So what was it? Was it the worst thing? And then suddenly had a metamorphosis where it turned into the best thing? And, and how could it be the best thing if it was the worst thing? Yeah. So you have to see it's neither. It's the meaning we give it. Yeah. So in one condition, when I'm in a certain condition, something happens. I think it's the worst thing that ever happened. Now the event hasn't changed, but the meaning of it has changed dramatically. So the event doesn't change. It's like a fact. This happened to me when I was five years old, and, or I got run over by a car in 1980. That's a fact. But how I view it changes. Yeah? And my viewing of it overrides it. Yeah? So you can have a horrendous situation that happens to you, and also to 19 others, and you could study the reactions of those 20 people, and they would be different to that heinous uh, event. Yeah? So the event is still overridden by the one who was in the event. Yeah? We give everything all the meaning it has. Not as Paul. That's one of the meanings that's been given to this event. But our apparatus gives meaning to things. It's called, in here, on a very, very crude level, it's called the subjective experience. So there was a great book by a writer from South America named Gabriel Marquez, and it, it was an account of a murder in this South American village. And there were seven eyewitnesses, and each one had a different story of the event. And he was trying to symbolize this idea that nothing is real unless it's real to you, in a sense. Yeah. So, if you follow that thing that's stated in the forward, that 
we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly. Why did he put that word in there? He could have easily just said, we have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. But he didn't. He threw in a word that mean, changes the whole meaning to that, that, fact, that sentence. It's a seemingly hopeless. See? That's why there's a solution. Because it, if it was truly hopeless, then every night that I believed it was truly hopeless, then the action that I did was the, the appropriate action was to get high. Because I'm, there's no way I'm ever getting out of this, so I might as well be loaded while I'm in it. Yeah? It was an incredible bit of logic, and it made a lot of sense to me. Well, I was in a hopeless state of mind and body. I'm going to do anything to, to distract myself from that hopeless state. Yeah? But the whole point is, it's a seemingly hopeless state. And, that, and some of our lives prove that right now. We were in the depths of that hell, and now we're out of the depths of that hell. Yeah? And so, if like you take an alcoholic, and you drop him into what you would call heaven, in a day, it can make it hell. Yeah. <laughs> well, we may not like the temperature there, or there's no like Sportnet's channel or something. We'll find fault anywhere because that's the type of view we're ba- basically saddled with. Yeah, we've been saddled in a way we grew into it because you weren't like that when you were a young kid, and maybe if you were in an overly abusive situation, then fear would be dominant. But I wasn't. You know, I was in a typical middle-class family in Long Island. And basically, I had a childhood. And that childhood had a lot of wonder and awe in it, and there was spontaneity. There wasn't any thought that I need to get into the moment because I hadn't thought I could be out of the moment yet. I wasn't looking for any techniques to be here now because I was being here now. There was no, there was no there and then yet in my head. Every day was like a new page, and there, you know, and I could keep myself amused. It's like when you go to the beach with a Labrador, yeah, and you have a ball. Your arm will fall off before it gets tired. The 800th time, it's just as happy as the first time you ran after that ball. Or if I'm in here right now and a little baby comes and I go, boo, I can do that 40 times and it's going to laugh. We, something happens, oh, I know that, you know. We're fucking bored from the beginning. <laughs> we, can't be in, we can't be provoked into awe or wonder. We're like, oh, I, I know that. <laughs> That's nothing, really. It's just a fucking sunset. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something that's put a damper on our experience here. A real damper, like a big wet blanket. And we don't, it's like the thing I was talking about last night. If you take the glove, that rough glove that's interpreting everything that's touched, yeah, what the interpretation is going to be is rough. Yeah, because no matter how many things it touches, it's the one thing that touches all those things, which is the glove. We're in a sort of situation like that. The mental state of self centeredness and then amplified by alcoholism is like putting a rough glove on the one one sense you have, the sense of feeling. So whatever you feel, feels rough. Yeah? Whatever happens sucks for some of us. It's never enough. Our, our, our way of thought, the way we see things, doesn't promote gratitude. We have to come into a program like this and do gratitude-less. We have to say, remember, be gra- how many meetings has the topic been gratitude? I mean, thousands of meetings. Thousands of meetings on acceptance and gratitude because we're usually severely lacking of those. We want it our way, and we're pissed we're not getting more. Yes? That didn't, we didn't have that when we were a young kid. I, I used to play with my... My neighbor, Wayne Griffith, I swear, for at least two years every day with 13 army men, plastic army men, underneath an apple tree, while my mother was having a life. She didn't have to supervise me all day. They just put you in the yard or on this corner, and then you'd just run around, and if you wanted to eat, you'd come in. If you didn't, you starved. But we would play with the soldiers, and our minds would bring in the joy. We would, our imagination was like rampant. What the freak happens? Yeah? A thought system comes over the, our clear sky like a weather front, and it doesn't move. 
It doesn't move. Every once in a while, you'll get a ray of sunlight, but the basic norm is an irritability, restlessness, and discontent matched with a lot of thoughts about everything. How many times when you were a kid, I would just run into a room, maybe naked or whatever. <laughs> now, every room I've entered since five on, I thought about it. You know, what's, who's going to be here? Or do I look my zipper, whatever. <laughs> you know, there's always, everything gets accompanied by thought. Yeah? And, what, you know, let's say I take an action. I'm gonna, I lift a weight five, 50 times. Yeah? Then I stop. The action's over. When do you stop thinking? When does it, uh, when is there, oh, I've thought enough about this. <laughs> you know, I've thought enough, I'm going to move on to some, let's say, intuitive modality or silence, maybe. No. And it hasn't left topics that happened 30 years ago. It's thinking about shit that probably never even actually happened 30 years ago. If there's no timer on it, okay, you get 60 seconds, go. Oh, you're a loser. You're never going to get what you want. Fuck it. They're going to find out you're a fraud. Okay. But it goes on and on. There's no, you turn off, okay, that's enough. No, it isn't. Three in the morning, you're up. No, I've got to go over that last Monday in 2008. That was a crossroad in my life. If I wouldn't have done what I did, everything would be great. I know it. I'm so sure everything would be great. No, you're not. It's just an advertisement. It's like I, I, my knee got hurt in the water. And this is, but the, how the language presents is, is I hurt my knee. As if I went out in the water and intentionally hit my knee with a hammer. Surfing. No, the knee gave in because of an incredible amount of use over the years. But my, the way we say things is it implies that we have a lot to do with things we really have nothing to do with. Yeah? And it's always I, 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 I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. And so the funny thing is, when my mental state would create the story of the, the leg... It had a story that it happened January 6, 19, what, 2012, 13, like a year ago, let's say. So it says everything right before 1 o'clock January 6 was great. I mean, I, it was great. And then suddenly the knee, and it sucked every day since. No, that's not true. It has no validity at all. It just spins a story, throws it out there, it sticks on your attention and interest, and then like a zombie you go for it. You know? This is slavery. Slavery with no chains. Yeah? Slavery with no chains. But we're enslaved. We're enslaved by what's not happening. I talked about it last night. If you're having a bad Saturday, it's never based on this Saturday. It's based on last Wednesday or next week. Mm -hmm. Your head is thinking about something other than what's going on now because there's no need to think about what's going on now. It has one quality. It's going on. There's a different, more appropriate response just to respond that it's going on instead of reacting to, no, that which I thought was going on is much more important than this, and definitely what I think's going to go on is way more important than this, and I'm going to spend my time thinking about yesterday and tomorrow. And I'm just going to make it through this fucking Saturday, because I know there's a better Saturday somewhere in the future for me. So I'm going to withhold myself every minute of every other day until that mythical Saturday appears. And then, of course, I'll be so open, I'll be able to totally give, in to my, give myself over to that mythical Saturday. Of course, it's never this Saturday. Never this Saturday. The happy, joyousness, and freedom is never now. It's always a plan. If you do this, jump through there, go there, then it's going to lead you to happy, joyousness, and freedom. And this is just a pit stop. This moment, and if you're not using this moment to better your condition of the, in the next better moment, then you're blown it. Fuck that. You know? Can't you just stop and enjoy this Saturday? How are you? Are you? Have you the ability to enjoy this Saturday? Or are the dogs of yesterday and tomorrow yelping in both your ears? I gotta go somewhere and get ready for what? <laughs> I can't be here. I'm really concerned about there. And if I've learned anything from then, I better get fucking really get ready. So I'm just going to use this moment to be concerned about that other moment. 
that when I arrive will be this moment anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So the problem resides in the mind. It's not the elbow. The elbow isn't thinking about next Wednesday. Yeah, It's in the head. The head is where alcoholism amplifies and gets its wish completed. Yeah, It leads us to a point. Its idea of surrender is fuck it. It leads us to that point of fuck it. And when you finally say fuck it, you're apt to do anything. You're a pushover at that point. Then it says, hey, well, let's just get, let's get loaded. And as soon as you combine that insanity with an action, then you're in the hallway of shit and fans. Yeah? It's like you're on flypaper, and now your wings can't take you off. And all you're doing is thinking, 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 and it's getting you more and more stuck. More and more a need of a drink, and more and more the need of escaping a consequence of what you think is happening now with a huge consequence tomorrow when you're in jail. It's a slavery, and there's a possibility to be free of it. Yeah? It's not vanquishing thoughts. That's not going to happen. It's maybe, maybe. This is how it's worked for me. This has been, in my experience, it's been reverse engineering. Something occurred, and I got some damn good stable relief from thoughts, and I reverse engineered it and see how I hadn't, I had been taken over by thoughts, yeah? So the solution allowed me to find out how the problem really evolves and how it sort of had all of my interest and attention. I could never have known the solution from the problem, but somehow or another something occurred, I got relief from the problem, and then I reverse engineered it from the solution back through the problem. And the the biggest thing of a thought is what precedes the thought, which is the feeling of being the thinker. That's the act of being identified. There's tons of thoughts going through your head, but they are preceded by one thought, I'm the thinker of them. These are my thoughts. And just like if you were in a park right now and there was dirty kids playing around, your attention and interest would probably go to the two that were yours. Yes? You were identified with those kids, and so you'd be watching them more than the other 28. Yes? This is what causes you to be so interested in the thought is because you're the thinker of it or the thoughts about you. That's the whole glue. The whole glue is at this point, not the thought. The thought is just reused to reinforce this. This, look, this is the glue. This is the bondage of self. This is the bondage of self. It is the feeling of being the thinker of this thought system because you've owned it and now it owns you. Simple as that. That's the deal. You own the thoughts, they'll own you. If you believe they're yours, they'll dictate you. Yeah? You'll have a very difficult time not taking their lead. What happened with me, for some reason or another, I lost interest in this, and therefore I started to lose interest in thoughts. So now I hear the thoughts, but I don't listen to them. Yeah, My day is navigated by something else than thoughts. And I'll tell you, I like where it takes me. I like the journey. Sometimes I don't go anywhere, and it's like a beautiful trip. Yes? Think the same thing. It does the same thing with feelings. It's the feeler. Yeah? A feeling's nature is to come and go. But once it's claimed as your feeling, it's used to create the story of you. Yeah? So let's say if you have a feeling of being depressed, you may become a person who's uh, a depressive person. Yes? It will build a beast out of the claiming. Yeah? From this point, the feelings will be used to promote an idea of the feeler. And you'll be bound to that idea. So I'm, I have a feeling I'm not good in relationships. So therefore, there's a huge story about it. So every time I'm in relationships and I've actually changed, my head wants to go back to the same old story as when I was 32 years old. It wants to apply a rule that never really even applied then onto now. Yeah, And if I believe it, it has the power to do it. Yeah. That's what happens. Feeling, thinking, doing. All right? All the actions that happen, it's really the doer that's the dilemma. Yes? So we do a lot of things. Yeah? But we're hell-bent on believing we're the doer of them. Then we enter AA, and AA talks about the first step that we're powerless over alcohol and drugs. 
Okay? So when I take alcohol or drugs in me, I'm apt to do almost anything. And I've proven that to be the case. Yes. Yet still, I never realize how deeply powerless I am because my head is still mining guilt and shame from the behavior I exhibited when I was under the influence. Yet our first step says we were powerless over it. So in that way, it seems like if I'm powerless over it, it's like I'm dancing with a gorilla. The dance is going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Then why the hell am I claiming that behavior that happened while I was under the influence is my behavior when it wasn't motivated by me? It was motivated by alcoholism or addiction. When are you going to be left off the hook of all that guilt and shame that your mental state continues to harvest out of your past? Because you believe deep down, and it's a lie, that you're the one who did it. Even though you're confronted with the statement, we were powerless over it. There's your out. And I had the experience of it. I got something in this program when I came in. And I remember when I, it was first really demonstrated, I was about a year sober. I was mostly living from my face, not my ass, you know what I mean? Because at that time, I thought my ass was my, I mean, my face was my ass. I had an image, and I was, now I was having a cool image without being a drug addict, you know? And I, I had this girl I was trying to impress, and me and my friend rode motorcycles, and he had his girl he wanted to impress, and we go, went to his apartment to impress our girlfriends, and left the bikes, went upstairs, and then he went downstairs to see something. He came up and says, hey, and this lady had passed us along the stairs. She had paint on her blue jeans, an Asian woman. And he comes back up and he says, hey, my room, my neighbor wants to talk to you. And I was thinking, he told her I was a house painter and she was probably painting her apartment and I was going to give her some free advice, you know. So she walks into this room where I'm trying to impress this new girl and this and that. And she says, hello, Paul, how are you? I said, what? She says, yeah, don't you remember me? You owe me $500. What? Yeah? <laughs> now, if it would happen a day before I got sober, a lot of guilt and shame would have kicked in. But no guilt and shame kicked in because I had gotten the disease. The aspect that I was powerless over it, and I told her right there and then, I would have done what I did to you to anyone unless you could physically stop me. That was it. I was accountable. I gave, gave her the money. I read, sent her checks, and every check I signed was, you wouldn't be seeing this money unless I was in AA, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Seriously. And... But there was none of that reaction from guilt and shame because I got the first step. What I did to her, I would have done to anybody. Something had taken me over. Why do you keep claiming the sentence that should be attributed to the parasite of alcoholism? I don't do the same behavior before that I used to. What happened? Did I have a miraculous change? No. What was taking me over back then isn't taking me over now. This host is being driven by a power greater than self or the parasite of alcoholism. Therefore, where I go and how I get there looks different. Before, this event, which is all it is, was taken over by a parasite called alcoholism. So I went where many of us go, institution, jails, and death. What changed? Not me. The power that's running through me changed. One was a power greater than self called alcoholism, and then I found a power greater than that self through AA. And for 27 years, that hopeless state of mind and body hasn't been a hopeless state of mind and body. And not one day or one minute in any day did it seemingly to appear to be a hopeless state of mind and body. There is no reality in a sense other than what you give it. See, it's true. If you and I are giving everything the meaning it has, if the worst thing can be the best thing and then suddenly be the worst thing again, you've got to see your role in things. It's a huge role. Yeah. The day's not making you. You make the day. So I used to use this, I like this term, because most people I've met in AA, me included, if you live by the thought system, you live in time. Yeah. You're more pre If you look at, just look at the thought system and see what, what it values. Does it value this moment? 
The only value it finds in this moment is to use this moment to think about yesterday and tomorrow, basically. So it has, if you're hoping it, it's going to lead you to here, you better, it's not going to lead you here. It is definitely programmed to lead you to there and then. So it takes you back into the past. Thoughts do not have the power to take you back. You have the power to go with the thoughts. Yeah? So the thoughts tell a story, and the only enticing part of the story is it's about you. Yeah? There's no, if you knew a guy named Stanley, there's no way you'd be spending a Saturday afternoon thinking about what happened to Stanley five years ago. <laughs> you, know, you may not even do it with your own kids, but definitely not a stranger. You know, and I don't, I don't go home and go, oh, I'm worried about Stanley in 2019. <laughs> he could have cancer then. He could be desperate. No, that's not happening. What allowed, what draws our attention out of this moment and interest out of this moment into the past and future is that we believe the past is about us. And we definitely believe the future is about us. It's not the past or the future. It's the us. It's a mental idea that has the veneer of being or seemingly being you, and that's like the honey that's attracting everything. So your thoughts and interests will go, some people will actually go, not, not even stop in the family of origin on Earth, they'll do some mystical new age thing where they'll try to find the family of origin on Mars. And they'll make up, oh, that's where my real problem started. It happened in Mars with my Martian family. It's fucking insane. There's no ancient problems. They're made up now. They're given a historical bent, but they're made up now. So what occurs is, if the thought system is the dominant influence of one's life, you're seeing yourself as a body, first of all. Because the thought system pictures you as a body. It doesn't picture you as a spirit. It doesn't picture you as a soul. It doesn't picture you as an astronaut in the spaceship of the body. It pictures you as a body. So when I go, oh, you know where I was two years ago? You're pictured as a body in Hawaii. You're not pictured as a spirit in fucking Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, you're pictured as a body. Yeah? And when you're cons- worried about you in the future, you're not worried about you as a spirit. Because the, the thoughts couldn't land anywhere. Spirit's everywhere. Where are you going to target your thoughts? Yeah, There's no bullseye. Yeah? But it, when it's about you in the future, in the thought system, it's pictured as a body. You're pictured about... There's going to be a body called Paul that's going to have cancer, and I know it's going to be fucking terrible. (laughs) Now, that may be a good forecast if it was so, but it has a reverse effect. When you're concerned about you as a body in the future, at that very moment, you're feeling the contraction of what you believe is going to happen to you as a body then, now. Yeah? The feeling of dread that you evoke from five years ahead of time isn't felt five years ahead of time. It's felt now. And that feeling or that sense, it sort of, what it does is it distracts you from this moment and you get sucked into what's not happening. Yeah? And there's no solution to what's not happening except seeing that it's not happening. If you try to... Uh, apply a, a solution to an imaginary problem, that's a bigger problem. And most people, you tell them, you see them, you'll come in and have a talk here, there's no big threat, I'm not going to talk long, and you're not getting drafted or signed up, and I'm not against AA or anything, it's all fucking baloney. You're here now, but a lot of people may not be, because they're not responding to now, they're reacting to yesterday and tomorrow. And they can't seem to break the habit because the mind is in love with you as a body and it can only picture you as what it wants to picture you by remembering you. What's always here, which is spirit, can't be remembered because it's never left. You can't remember spirit. It's ever-present presence is so captivating, you can't remember it. It's never gone. (laughs) You know, it's never, it's never not here. That's why we can't pick it up. We recognize things that come and go. You can't recognize what's always available at all times. You don't recognize it. It's just like gravity. 
Gravity has a huge effect on every one of us as a body, yet no one's bitching about the effects of gravity at the cafe today. I didn't hear one conversation in Dover and the surrounding area, Morristown and Morris, wherever I'd been, not one person was telling the truth. You know, gravity was the... I went up that, that mound, that soil mound, that I used to think, that hill's a terrible hill. No, it was the gravity you were going against. It wasn't the hill, it was gravity. The gravity's having a constant effect on you, and you don't even know it. Yeah? And you would only know it, not by studying what gravity is, but by having a relief from gravity. If you went into an anti-gravity chamber, you would know all about gravity. All about gravity. Much, much quicker, much more succinctly, much more convincingly than if you studied it for years under the influence of gravity. If you just got an, an experience or a sample of what it was not like, anti-gravity, you would know all you need to know. That's exactly what's here. That weather front of selfing defends itself. You try to get out of it, you run into the axiom we know in AA. Self can't get out of self. Fuck. You know? <laughs> every, scene, every scene door that you think is an exit is really an entrance. Yeah? You never get out of it because part of getting out of it is being in it. Self can't get out of self. Something that's being produced in a mental state can't escape the, the mental state that's producing it. It doesn't appear anywhere else but in your head. That's why the problem, that we're the, we're the problem, and conversely the solution. How could that be? Because the problem is identifying identification as something you're not. When that's seen through, you're the solution. You realize that you are what you've been looking for the whole freaking time. That that higher power you were trying to make contact with is always available at all times, right where you are, with no requirement necessary to meet it. Except the old ideas you're holding to be true. That's it. Yeah. Everything that was put off in time and space is immediately shrunk, and you're right there. And then there's a true reliability. A true reliability comes over you, because you found what you've been looking for, something that's constantly available right where you are at all times. You can finally rest your fucking huge head. Yeah? <laughs> Thoughts come, you hear them, but you don't listen to them. Yeah? The greatest thing, what's happening has over what's not happening. Because in what's not happening, anything can happen. Anything can happen in what's not happening. You could be dead tomorrow in what's not happening. You can be destitute in what's not happening. But in what's happening, it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have, and that is it's happening. Yeah? This is actually going on right now. This is the invitation. Yeah. Right now. No matter what your opinion is, it's not worthy of this moment. I, there's a better moment, or that moment I had in India was better than any of these moments. Whatever story your head is using to distract you. The, inf the invitation, which to me is love, is always available, all times, right where you are. Not for you, not for you, but for what you are. If you just see what you're not, you'll find out what you are. And you're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity pronounced and reinforced in a mental state. Your innermost is not, as they said, you have to admit to your innermost self, the innermost self is not located in the mental states. That's where the alcoholism and the parasite of self-centeredness and alcoholism reside, is in the mental state. That's their nest. That's the Petri dish where they create, they not create, they make up all the shit that you take to be so in one's life, that you're not worthy of anything, or you don't this or don't that. It's a huge interpretation. So that sense when we were kids that life was happening was just a great, cool thing, going with it, has turned into an interpretation, life's happening to me. And it's fucking unbearable to some of us, man. And it was an appropriate response to try to get out of it. And we did the best we can, man. When I got loaded, it was probably one of the most authentic feelings I ever had when I was a kid. I wanted out of here, man. It was way over... I was overwhelmed, overmatched. No freaking way could I handle it. Uh, because what, what happened is, though, the mental state hid the here-ness and made a mental here. 
and therefore I was right where I needed to be to get out of the mental here, but that's what I was trying to run away from, the here. Because I was taking my idea of it as being what was so, and it wasn't. It was just a story. Incredible story. Boring as hell, unless you were me. (laughs) (laughs) To me, I was incredibly enthralled by it. <laughs> Man, you don't know how good it's being so bad. Oh, I'm so bad. It was good. It's so like if this was a movie theater, I always like to use this one, and I had a, so I put it on the marquee, The Life of Paul. Yeah. So of course only Pauls come to the movie theater, <laughs> and a couple of girls that went out with Pauls to be right about the Paul they went out with. I'm happy I left that fucker. They come and come right, and everyone's excited. There's a buzz in the room because they're excited. It's going to be about me. Two hours. Captive audience. I've locked the door, and they're there. And so, so now it starts. So here he comes. Life with, well, the life of Paul. And then the Pauls realize it's about this one Paul. Yeah, what happens? They get bored very quickly. They don't want to be in that movie. They don't want to sit in that room. The, the juju bees suddenly feel stale, smells. The popcorn is five days old. All these things they weren't noticing. But as soon as it's not about them, you lose interest. Yes. But the one Paul that it's about is sitting there. This was the big moment of my life. The phone rang. Was it my fairy princess? Was it that job offer in the Ukraine or something? What? And it watch, wait, how many rings will go before I get to it? Everyone else snoring, sleeping, but I'm I'm just totally into it. Because it's about me. If it was about someone else, you'd be bored stiff of the exact same movie you've been paying attention to for forty years. If it was someone else's, you would have changed the channel. But because it's about you, you just hold on to it. You're loving it. You really think it's going to get great someday. (laughs) There's someone's finally going to notice how cool I am. Hey, man, I'm in my 60s now. Jesus Christ. My head's still running. I can't wait to meet that junior high school girl. I'll get arrested for that now. <laughs> it's like the tapes are so old, they're playing, they don't even get close to narrating 2015. They're ni- circa 1980. You know what I mean? But what I tell with my sponsees back home, I say, listen, I want you to do a bare bone account of the week. Yeah? So when you wake up, just write down, you wake up at 8 o'clock, you had coffee, took a shower, this and that. And write it down. Yeah. And then just look at it and you'll see you did a whole lot of shit that day. And then try to remember the narration that was laid over that. You're not doing enough. You've got to be doing more. You're never going to get... Yeah. And you can see how different what's actually happening is to what's happening in one's head. Yeah, It's a totally, total disconnect. You have no idea actually what's going on, yet you have done tons of ideas about what's going on. But you actually have no idea because you're not attending to it. You are reacting to yesterday and tomorrow. That's what AA said. AA tried to take our attention and start leading us back. And it gave us an incredible concept a day at a time. I mean, I don't know about you, but that one concept has brought me a huge amount of relief because at least it got me into the vicinity of where I actually am. Yeah? And by realizing how good it felt just by that idea, obviously then the problem was I wasn't in the day at a time. The problem was I was reacting to yesterday's and tomorrow's. You can tell the problem from the relief. Yeah? When you get relief, it's like me if I have a rash... I don't know what it is, so I buy like seven ointments, and I put the ointment on, and if it doesn't produce a relief, I look at it, I say, I don't have psoriasis, then I get another one. Finally, I hit one that actually works, all I do is read the ointment tin, and I go, oh, that's what I had eczema. Why? Because I just got relief from putting the cream on. So look at the relief you got from a day at a time concept. What does that indicate? That we've been occupied by time. That we're not available to this moment. This moment is being used to bind us to yesterday and tomorrow. Follow it. Relief isn't just random. When you have relief, something that was built up, that was something that was stuck, finally loosened. 
and you can go back from relief and realize, oh, that's the problem. So when I heard about obsession with self, obsession with self, I thought, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. But when I got relief from it, I really knew what it was. I saw how entangled it is with everything. Like Bill W. says, the person in self-will can be good, virtuous, kind. It's still self-will. It hides in a lot of different ways. And then you recognize how influential it was when you be when you're relieved from its influence. You'll never know how influential selfing is until you have some freaking relief. And usually when people get relief from it, it arises and causes you to forget it. Just like you have a miracle at ten in the morning, by one o'clock it's forgotten, yet you're remembering a resentment that never happened for thirty years. You gotta see how the head's built. And you want that to be a GPS? No fucking way. You're going to be led to a drink sooner or later. It's not alcohol that's cunning, baffling, and powerful. It's alcoholism that's cunning, baffling. Alcohol is inert. It's not doing a damn thing. It's not whistling to you or calling you. It could care less who you are. You know what I mean? Oh, there's Ed. I used to know him well. There's no, there's no sentience in the alcohol. It's alcoholism. It's you appearing as something other than you that's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Because you believe the thoughts are being issued and said by you, but it's, a, it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. You, your thinking has been infected with alcoholism. It's not to be trusted in most cases. Your opinion of me, your opinion of you, your opinion of yes, your opinion of no, you're not even close to the mark. We're like throwing darts in the dark, believing we hit a bullseye. Oh, I've gotten to the root of the problem. If you're still having a lot of trouble, you haven't gotten to the root of the problem. At the root of the problem, when seen, relief abounds. Yeah, When you hit the point that's holding everything together, you'll know it because everything will loosen up. This isn't about knowing the problem. It's about getting relief from the problem. Through knowing. Not knowing the problem. That falls under the category of self-will. Self-knowledge avails us nothing. Yet knowledge is incredibly valuable. But when knowledge is claimed by self, it will avail you nothing. It will never lead to freedom from self. A lot of people know why they're fucked and they're still fucked. What's that? Well, how good is that? Oh, I know why I'm the way I am. But you're still at being the way you are. <laughs> you would hope that you would know it and that would move you to something else. But now, oh, I know. It's, well, I know why I'm so screwed. Oh, great. When am I going to get the dividends of that? I've been in a relationship with you. I'm waiting for the transformation. Oh, I, I think I need to know more. No, you don't. Oh. <laughs> Just know you're not that. No, you're not that, and you'll find out what you are. You will. I told. I've had the the events. I've been in this this path for twenty seven years. Yeah. There's a quality of mind, and that quality is it entertains. Yeah. In this experience, it's severely restricted because it's entertaining in a very small uh, field of vision called self-centeredness. So most of the possibilities it entertains is infected with time. So most people can't entertain they're okay right now, but they're entertaining that they were once okay and they will be okay. Yeah? That's what it does. So it has a very limited set of possibilities, and most of us have been go- gone over every one of them, and still nothing has really brought us out of the mix. Yeah? But what happens is if that restraint of that identification is broken, your aperture opens up. Your vision gets not self-centered, not tunneled. It opens. And now you see all of these possibilities that were always available, but they were just waiting for you to see them. Yeah? And then possibilities, those possibilities come in and they seek expression into your life. And your life can get really large in a very simple way. The less I do now, the bigger my life becomes. I don't have to go around the world. I travel enough right here in Dover. 
While I'm sitting at the house, I'm staying at. I'm tripping like crazy. I have what I was always looking for. Not after the dissatisfaction, but prior to the dissatisfaction. My initial state has never been dissatisfied. I am that which I've always been. Never been touched or mutated or changed by anything that happened. All the mental shenanigans has never last the left, left the lasting tattoo on what you are. Never. It's like that sky. If you look at the sky, you walk out and you see clouds in the sky. And then, a, let's say, a bird flies by and a bird shits. Does the shit land on the sky? No. It falls on a thing, like a car or your shoulder. Yeah? If there's a 4th of July explosions every day for a year, it will not rip the sky open. Planes are flying through it all day. Not one of them call the tower and say, I ran into a big chunk of sky up here. Yeah? <laughs> the sky is allowing everything to appear in it, to move through it, and yet is not affected by anything that appears in it or moves through it. That's what our big M mind is like. That's what our inherent nature is like. We are. That's why when you do service and you come out of the SSL, a lot of people say the same effect. I felt bigger. Yeah, I opened up. Man. I felt sense the presence. That's just that's just a s- small sample of your real nature. You're not a clot. You're not located behind your cheekbone. You're not of a body. The kingdom of heaven is not within you as a body. The great reality within isn't in a body. You are the great reality within. How could you not be? If you were in the same location as the great reality, how come you haven't run into it? How can, how can you be so successful avoiding the great reality? And it's within all of us. How could we even miss it? I could see we could miss it if it was in Newark, you know, or in Idaho. But it says it's within. It's what we're obsessed about all day is right there. How can we not come to it? Because we're trying to come to it as what we're not. The great reality is revealed when you see what you're not as what you're not. Then you'll be looking from what you are, which is the great reality. Somebody just initiated the, the basket, yes? Is this the time? It's fine, yeah. You chose it. You're accountable, yes. Go ahead. Usually that's the cue to stop, you know? People give me a little cue, okay. It's getting too out there, I stop. Now let's get back to doing and having, and, you know. I will be okay. I know I will be, I know it. Not today, though, please, don't. Let me have my problem. Don't be screwing with my problem. I want the problem solved, but right not not right now. I really want it to be solved later, though. I do, but not this moment. No, I got a big story about it, and I don't want to be proven wrong once again. I'd be embarrassed that you know I I can't overcame it so quickly. You know, I want to trudge and work hard, thinking like I did it. Jesus Christ, did you get sober really? Come on, something happened in my life that stopped the selfing, and sobriety started to bloom. Yes, one thing needed to be ended for it to really blow up, and so it did. Yes. I didn't die before it happened, so it could happen. Yes. I had nothing to do with it. I still have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with these talks. That's why I can do so many of them, because I've never been here. <coughs> if it was based on me, I would have found a reason not to come here. I'm sorry, I got here. <laughs> I lose all inhibitions when I'm in this faith. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> when I came into recovery, I'll tell you, I had this this commitment to do a fourth step workshop that lasted 19 years because <laughs> no one wanted to do it. So I did it, and it was on a Monday night at a at a place we called the Dry Dock in San Francisco. It was like a like an Alano club meetings there every day. So every Monday night, as long as I was in the country, I was there. Now. There was 19 years of Monday nights. That's a lot of time. And so I, I was in a lot of conditions, different conditions, like my girlfriend left me five minutes before the meeting. I was under the... I may have been had AIDS, and I was waiting for the returns back then. It was three weeks to get the return when you had an AIDS test when I first got sober. 
maybe I had no money, maybe I got hurt, all these conditions. But I showed up every Monday, and after a while I realized it had nothing to do with me. As long as I was willing to be used, I'd be used, yeah? So my role was more of like being the hose, and that water of spirit would come through. And it would direct where the hose was going to go, and it didn't matter what was happening to the hose, it didn't matter what the hose was thinking, as long as the hose put itself on the spigot, the water comes through, yeah? And I had, I bat, the batting average was like a thousand percent, 19 years of Mondays. I didn't need any more convincing, but that demonstration was unbelievable. It overrided and outshined all the circumstances and situations can, that can happen to you in 19 years of Mondays, yeah? No matter what condition I was in, the same juice came through. The same juice. The considerations, the reservations are on our side not on the power side. And I'm telling you, there's no sides. Right where you are is the power. Yeah? It is, it's immediate. You can plan about the future, but you're always doing it now anyway. Nothing escapes the parameters of now. All you're thinking has never have you leave this moment. You only thought you left the moment. You've never gone anywhere other than this place, this moment. Yeah? We make up stories about other moments, but in fact, every moment we arrive at is the same moment we left. Same sense. You're on, conscious, yes? The spirit abounds. Your body may look different. Where you sit may be different, but what's sitting is never different. That's spirit, yeah? It's truly reliable, and it can bring a huge leavening effect on your life. It won't change the geography of your life. It may. It can but I definitely guarantee it will change how you travel over it. So I may get fired. I got the knee hurt. I can't surf anymore for a while now. Hopefully I'll be able to. But in a sense, it doesn't matter. I traveled lighter through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it stabilizes. And so therefore, you grow into a great faith in it. And so when the thought systems come, because they usually come with a big bang, but they don't last long. When they, when they bring out the old guns of, you know, you know you're a loser or whatever, and have the 21-gun salute to the God of Selfie, you're fucking bored in a way. You've heard it so many times. And so now you don't, like, every time it flinches, you don't move. You're fuck it, you know. I've never left here. I'm not, there's nowhere I'm going. I've arrived at every location I've ever been already. Yes, yeah. So you just hold the space because you are the space. And then you get to be of service without trying to be of service. When you're available without trying to be available. And you sense a presence without trying to sense a presence. Yeah? It becomes more ordinary and normal than anything. It goes, really harkens back to when you were a kid, basically. The immediacy is so immediate, you never thought there was anything else. Yeah? You're not trying to get into what you can't be out of the moment. And you're not trying to get out of what you can't be in, the self. Cannot possibly be in it. It just makes an appearance. Yeah? Everything in the selfing's world is seemingly so. It's just an appearance. If you believe it to be true, it seems to be real. If you don't, it doesn't seem to be real. Like that old acronym we use, false evidence appearing real, yeah? for fear. False evidence is constantly being surveyed or, or conveyed in the mental state, yes? But for it to appear to be real, it has to appear to be real to you. You and I are the reality. Yeah. We can make false evidence appear to be real. It can, we can't make it to be real, because it's false, but we can make it seem to be real, yeah, based on the condition that we're in. If you're in extreme self-centeredness, you're probably going to be producing threats and anxiety about what's not happening. Yeah? So maybe you're supposed to have ten times in your life where the emotion of real fear should come over you when something's, a car's coming at you, this and that. Your mental state's mimicking that physiological effect all day, like a buzzer on you. It's got you buzzed out all day about what's going to happen. You live in fear that's totally imaginary. It's false evidence that's appearing the real, and what it depends on is you. If you don't see it as real, it doesn't have any juice. If you see it as real, it has tons of juice, because it's all your juice. All your juice. We're constantly giving our juice away. Yeah? 
We gave out godlike juice to the mental state. Now it plays God with it. It plays God over God, basically. It's hilarious in, the, in a way. Yeah? The mental state is playing God. It's telling you when you wake up what it's going to be like tomorrow. <laughs> you're not even up for today. It's telling you what you were like, what you're going to be like, how you're like, what, how they were like, how they're going to be like, and how they're like now. It's pontificating galore, and it's, it's, it has no evidence to evoke any kind of faith in it, yet we have a lot of fucking faith in it. Like a Greek oracle that's always wrong, we still go back to it. Oh, great one. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of the thinking that was dominating most of my adult life. It sounds simple, but it, it gets a great point across. I used to go to jail quite a lot. And so, and a lot of times it had to do with going to court. So I had a court date, and so the court date evoked this fear of going to jail. So I was sitting around thinking, I don't want to fucking go to jail, which is a good idea. I don't. But I'm afraid that if I go to this court date, I'm going to go to jail. So I went to the Greek oracle, the old wise one up here. I go, well, what should I do, oh great one? And it says, just don't go to the court date. And therefore, you won't go to jail. I go, wow. What a thank you so much. Yeah. Once again, once again, you came through. And the sense of anxiety left. And he goes, oh, I'm not going to go to jail. I thought I was going to go to jail if I went to court. But I don't go to court, I don't go to jail. So I'm, I'm hanging out, and the day of court comes, and I'm thinking about the poor jamokes in the courtroom while I'm drinking Budweiser at 9 in the morning. Woo! My, once again, it's worked. Save me from that incredible situation of going to jail. Thank you, great wise one. I constantly listen to you. Thank you. That's why I have... I don't see... That's why I have limps and abscesses and, and fucking... <laughs> scars and I'm like two levels below a coconut the way I think but I, you know, you've led my life you've done a great job with my life I can constantly surrender to you so so then I'm driving around with my girlfriend's car to like and I get pulled over by the police and now I don't feel like I've done anything wrong so I'm, I'm ready for the throw an alcohol tantrum you know why why I'm not doing anything you know because most of the time I was doing something you know so they come to the door and they say they ask me for my license registration they go back to the car and they sit in there for like 20 minutes I don't know what they do in there but you know I mean you can't the story about you can't be that long you're sitting in there and you're sitting there looking through the back when you know a mirror and you're, oh Jesus Christ what's going to happen so, so then they come and when you hear this statement you know you're going away which is Mr. Hedeman, will you please step out of the car? Oh, fuck. So I get out, and they're going, we're taking you to jail. I go, why? I didn't do anything. Well, you have a broken taillight. You can't be taken to jail. But you have a bench warrant out for your arrest. Because why? You didn't go to a court date. <laughs> so if you don't go to court date in New York, they, they release a bench warrant for you, which means you go directly to jail. So you don't need to go to court, but directly to jail. So now, now I'm in jail. I'm in jail, and I have two court dates. That's that's sort of the, that's what happens when I follow the solutions of the mental state. It had one thing that was imaginary; it was confronting, and now I'm in jail, and I have two more court dates that may send me back to jail. Can you imagine? And that was just one moment in a day full of those moments. <laughs> it's amazing we survived. I swear to God. I mean, I lived in the hallway of shit and fans, man. I was in a perpetual duck, you know. <laughs> it was, and I had no How is this happening to me? Why? I didn't see my role in any of it. It was incredible, man. <laughs> so, if that example hits you, you know, that's going on all day. It's like playing Russian roulette, seriously. So if there is a solution, you know, I found it through AA. I'm not saying AA is the solution. I think what we are is the solution. But AA limits the effects and the influence of what we're not sufficiently so that you can find out what you are. So maybe instead of trying to become a spiritual person as a body, you'll realize that you're a spirit. Yeah? And to me, I found that's the highest form of maintenance is to know that you're a spiritual condition. Instead of trying to maintain a spiritual condition as a mental state and as a physical state, which is a whole lot of fucking work, 
I found if I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I am a spiritual condition, it's quite easy to maintain it because it maintains itself. Yeah, you're aware. You're like awake to being awake. Yeah, so you're a, you're aware that you're awake. Yeah, you're not trying to be awake. You're not trying to be vigilant about being awake. You're aware of being awake. That's it. Yeah, everything else comes and goes, but that awareness solidifies and allows you to travel lighter through this place. Yeah, and I, you know, it's happened for years now for me. So I have a, I'm very confident about the message, and I hope it gets through, and I have faith it does, because I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to mind, big M mind, and the mind already knows. It just may be obscured by this mental <coughs> weather front and emotional weather front and all the drama you're in, but I believe it can always be pierced into. And there, to me, when I heard this message from an outside meeting. It was like an unspoken yes, something I knew before anything else that that was true. And you know what? For the last 14 or 15, I don't know how long now, it's, it's been the last answer. Yeah. And it didn't replace AA. I love AA. I participate in AA as much as I did in the first <coughs> year. What it does is it brings uh, an, illuminate, an illuminating quality to AA. In other words... I'm not looking for an outside light to lead me. My own light leads me. Yes? I'm not looking to find the light outside. I'm now finding everything outside by the light. It's just a different approach. And, you know, it's been working. so. So there you go for today. And, uh, now we'll get to the real business of things. Shirts! I sell shirts and books. They're out there. Represent. But I just love, you know, I love our tribe. And, you know, we have, you know, we've all been taken over by that same tyranny, alcoholism. And it is truly a parasite. And through the takeover of the parasite, you forget, you lose the sense of hostness, you know. The host is now represented as the parasite. So we get taken over. And this is sort of about uh, a freedom. It's like an emancipation act, actually. We get emancipated here. We recognize the problem, by, and then you see that w- what that problem is, it's not you. And then you lose interest, which is its huge fuel. If you don't believe it, it's not going to appear to be so. If you extract the belief from it, it will not appear to be so. You'll have an immunity. You'll have immunity to what's not happening. You'll be rooted here, not by any freaking effort, not by I'm practicing to be in the moment. That's bullshit. You can't be out of the moment. It is an impossibility that you are ever out of a moment. So it's absurd to try to get into the moment. And it's more absurd to try to get more into the moment. Yeah, Because all the efforts to get more into the moment are an act of reinforcing the insane idea that you could be out of a moment. It's all reverse, man. You're trying to get out is another form of being in. Self cannot get out of self. There was a great Zen master, one of my favorite books is Teachings of Hoang Po. H-U-A-N-G-T-O. This guy, I just love this, this man. And it was cool because he had a guy that was who go to his talks like this, who worked for the emperor's court as a scribe. So this isn't like 500 years after the guy said it. The guy wrote it down that night after the talk. So it's pretty close to the horse's mouth. And he said a statement. He says, well, a couple of them. One of them, he says, whatever can be perceived, you, that body, this body cannot be perceiving. So the body is not what's looking. The body is facilitating what's looking to see, but the body is not seeing. Whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. Beautiful, beautiful statement. Then he said, you can't use mind to seek mind. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use light to seek light. You're the Buddha, you're the light, you're the mind. And another great master said... You can't use activity to produce stillness. That would be activity. It's different. 
This is not a product of doing and having. It's, a, it's prior to all products. It's our inherent innate nature. Always available at all times, as pristine, pristine as it always has been, because there is never a was nor a will be in it. Yes? It's available, just as it is right now. It doesn't need you to polish it. It doesn't need you to huff and puff. All you need to do is surrender. Surrender the idea of self. You can do it quickly or do it through the auspices of AA. Lose interest in self and you'll gain interest in others. And you'll gain interest in a lot more than others. Maybe you'll gain, gain interest in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, hope you come back. We'll go around tomorrow. And then I'll be gone. I'll be out of your life. But I'll return. I love Milestone. I want to thank Michael for bringing me here. And these, these talks will be up on our web, website in about a week. <laughs>